ears to good friends. Cheers. 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 Hmm. That's sort of an oaky afterbirth. What was that? She did tell me to uh, get a beer and some cheese fries over at Eskimo Joe's. That's very nice, lovely. I only hope you feel this way when I'm done. Because I could destroy this night in two seconds. Why is that funny? <laughs> well, I think it's a bit funny to be trying to define nothing. <laughs> Smooth as a bourbon on a summer day. Strong as a peated scotch in the winter night. This is a fair warning. The Catholic Man Show is about to begin. Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go. We're burning daylight. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side. So raise your glass. Adam and Ann here sitting with David Niles, one of the buttons. Gold's Jim Spencer over here to our left, hanging out with us this evening. Dave, what do you think? I'm ready. You ready? Good, because we've already started. Yeah. I'm excited about our whiskey this evening. We're going to have a, a bourbon. We're going to talk about... Uh, you don't see a lot of 14-year-olds. Bourbons. I know. I'm in the marketplace yeah. these days. We're going to talk about uh, virtues in the workforce, work, workplace this evening. Uh, so if you are in in the process of possibly looking for a new job, um, if you hate your job, considering currently, yeah, considering moving job, changing jobs, uh, interviewing for jobs, this may be your show. Possibly, if you don't get the job, it's not our fault. That's Just, definitely true. Yeah, <laughs> disclaimer. Yeah, that's um, yeah, one hundred percent true. But this evening, so we're gonna we're gonna try a whiskey this evening. Uh, I'm really excited about it. It's a higher end whiskey. We haven't had a higher end whiskey in a while. It's yeah, true. And it's a 14 year uh, straight bourbon whiskey, Cal- Cal- Calumet. Calumet. There's a couple uh, like Calumet. There's a couple different ways people said it. Calumet. On, they said Calumet. They said Calumet. Uh, a couple different ways people said it online. I wouldn't I say it Calumet. Up. I'd say Cal- Calumet. See, there's a couple different ways people have said it on the line. Uh, well, online. what do they say? They don't offer a. There's a couple different ways they've said it. Is what I mean, I'm saying. Like the, they themselves, right? That. Oh. I I, I didn't. You said right, but you shook your head no. That's confusing. Sorry. That's a confusing response for me. Yes. So the people of the the these people themselves also offer different ways to say it. No. How do they say it? That's I what I want to know. I didn't know. I wish that they would step S- out. Step out and say. And and clarify. Give some. Uh, claritas to the situation. Nice. Uh, so as you pour that, I'll open it. Yeah, you can open it and pour that. I like opening these kind. You know, they've got like the, the little. What do, you, what do you call this? Yeah, like the, to the, tab, the tab to pull to pull open. It's just it's, it's doing like, this kind of thing. It's just satisfying to it's open. It's like when these you take the plastic uh, cover off your phone for the first time. Like you yeah, peel that it's off. It's just satisfying. Just kind of satisfying. Kind of you kind of like it. Yeah. Uh, so this this whiskey is a non-chill filtered. It's uh, 48.1 ABV. It has the mash bill on it, which I think is really cool. So it has like, uh, it's 74% corn, 18% rye, 8% malted barley. Uh, it is out of Kentucky, and it is a batch size of 19 barrels each. 
so pretty small. Pretty small. Uh, it, very small. Actually. Very very small. Uh, and it's been. It had ninety five points, which is a gold medal, exceptional, verified on there by the Beverage Tasting Institute, the BTI. The BTI. Yeah, the BTI. I didn't even know that there was a BTI. And this barrel, it was barrel date March of two thousand six. So we were just we were freshmen in college when this thing was bar- when this thing was barreled. Wow. Which is makes it pretty old. So let's try it. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. Cheers. So the color it says it's a deep amber throughout with a I, shimmering I like the light. Color. As soon as yeah. we, as soon as we I poured it, I said, "Ooh, I like this a good color." Color. The nose it says it's he- or actually should I? Do you want to read the the actual? No, 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 let's let's just let's just dive in and then we'll see we'll see if they're right about their own whiskey about their own whiskey. Yeah, I like that. Heavy oak, not a whole uh, lot leather. on the nose. I mean, it's not. Vanilla. There's not like a whole lot that's jumping out at you that's like real strong. Raisin. Yeah, plum. And a little clove. Let's see what it says. It Mm. says, uh, heavy notes of oak and molasses are rolled back as light scents of fresh corn, wood, sugars, and hay are present. Uh, Juan just choked. Uh, On the taste, it says, oh, actually, we'll, we'll let you give the tasting notes, Dave. So I think it. I think I, I really like the color. It's a, uh, it's about a hundred and twenty dollar bottle though. So here's mm-hmm. the thing: is like once you get above a hundred dollars with whiskey, there's a lot of whiskeys uh, at a hundred dollars and above that are very except. They're exceptional whiskeys, right? So once you, in my, this is just my opinion. Once you hit the hundred dollar threshold, the expectations are extremely high because one, I'm having to invest a lot of money in the whiskey. Yeah. But two, I know for a fact there are some really good hundred dollar whiskeys out there. Yeah, there are some really good eighty dollar whiskeys out there. So if you're gonna if you're gonna price point your whiskey at above a hundred dollars, you you better be coming to play. Yeah, it's hard for me to spend because I know that there are great forty and fifty dollar whiskeys mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the thing is, I have not. I haven't had a whiskey that's twice as good as Ardbeg 10 or Laphroaig, mm-hmm. right? It's not twice as good. As a scotch. This is a bourbon, so it's... I mean, we're not... Okay, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, as a beverage, as a cons- as the one consuming the beverage, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like them twice as much, right? Yeah. So it's just hard to do. Um, I really, I'm like, I'm, I really I'm not, like the presentation of the bottle. I'm not that rich. Also, right. That's you know, the thing like, about me as well. I'm not. I'm not liquid. Right. You uh, know. Nice. Nice pun. Thank you. Uh, the the presentation as well, though. Like, if you're gonna spend a hundred dollar dollars on a whiskey, like I I like the presentation of the bottle. I, I, I want do it too. To look nice. I do too. I want when you pull it out of your whiskey cabinet, you know, t- to enjoy with either your 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 wife or your friends. Like, I want it to look nice. Mm-hmm. I want the presentation to be there. So, uh, on the nose it, or on the taste, it says uh, smooth flavors of oak and chard subside to reveal complex sensations of toasted grains, toffee, and vanilla. And the finish it says a long finish leaves with the palate with a subtle dryness followed by lasting flavors of rye and dark fruit. Yeah, uh, I think, think they, I think, think they got it. Yeah, I do. I mean. They're all very subtle. There wasn't any one flavor that like really came out to me. And on the nose, I'm still just not getting very much on the nose. 
Oh, I get a lot. Do you? Wow, it has a strong black pepper bite at the end. It, yeah, it does. Uh, the rye really kicks in at the end. So, Dave, I want to tell you something, though, before mm-hmm. our, our uh, segment goes in. I just want to like kind of brag on on you and Juan uh, in regards like with my son. I will allow it. So, Luke, the other night, he, he comes over and tells me, Dad, I, I walk in from a meeting. It's late at night. He's already been put to bed. He gets out of bed when... My children get out of bed after being tucked in. There better be a good life reason. And, it's life and it's, it's, right. We have they're treading in. We, we have treacherous strict waters. Rules. Right. Yeah. And uh, he said, "Dad, I made a sacrifice today. I took a cold shower." And when he told me that, I was like, "Wow!" And I started thinking. And obviously, I I, I told him, you know, I I, I encouraged him to say, "Good job." You know, who did you think of? You know, for that as sacrifice and. We, we had this conversation, but afterwards I really thought about it and I said, I was thinking, you know, I haven't talked to my son about a cold shower before uh-huh. and having a, like to have, having a sac, making a sacrifice of a cold shower. Uh-huh. However, I know for a fact that he has heard you and me and Juan talk about, you know, having a cold shower when we were doing yeah. Exodus 90. Uh-huh. And so I, th- I was thinking about, and we've said this before on, on air, but it just really re like re instilled this idea in my mind that the importance of having your children listen to adult conversations of Catholic adult conversations. Yeah. Because they really do pay pay attention. And there are things that you bring out in me that I wouldn't necessarily, uh, couldn't be brought out in me without, without your, your, your presence. And same with Juan, like when Juan, when Juan and I are together, we have like a, a special camaraderie there. When we're all three together, we have a special camaraderie there, and we all bring out the better parts of each other, especially in conversations. Sure. And so we're you know we're kind of pushing each other. We're we're uh, you know just you know, striving to to do uh, you know to have good conversation. And when the kids hear that, it like clicks with them. Even though there's, I have no idea when he heard that. I have no idea. Right. Yeah. When, sure you know, when he was listening to that, but kids definitely pay attention to your conversations. Mm -hmm. And so when you, when you surround yourself with good, holy friends, you have good, holy conversations and it reflects. Well, also even before that, it starts with teaching your kids uh, proper manners around adults. Mm -hmm. You know, that when adults are having a conversation that they need to be quiet. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because if they can't do that, then they won't, then you won't be able to tolerate them in your presence when you're having good conversations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, they need to know how to, that when adults are talking, that's not the time for you to talk, you know? Right. And it's fine if you're there, and it's good if you're, it's good if they're there, right? Because then they get to hear these things, and, like, the stuff that they're learning, they see, they have these valuable moments where they see, like, oh, dad's serious about that. He talks about that with his friends. Like, right. oh, the the men, this is what they do. I see. Like, I should really be valuing this. That's what they value for real. Not right. just like... He's not just teaching. He's not just lecturing. Not, it's not me. like what I'm just... Uh, it's not just being something being forced on me. Right. right? And so, right. like, but first they need to have that discipline of... Discipline. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Of being able to be quiet right yeah yeah so anyway i just like i was very grateful for that moment you know and yeah. grateful for you guys your friendships because like because of you it's helped my, my my children as well yeah that's awesome so when we get back we're gonna talk about different things in your office that you absolutely need that you they're unique to you okay we'll be right back
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. This segment brought to you by the Catholic Woodworker, catholicwoodworker.com. Promo code TCMS. That's Tango Charlie Mary Salsa for 10% off all purchases at catholicwoodworker.com. Uh, I also have a kid's cold water, cold water, cold shower story. I, did I tell this story already on this show? Because uh, the girls the girls were all taking a shower, Elizabeth, Mary, and Bernadette. And somehow they mentioned that like, oh, dad, you take cold showers. And I said, yeah, here, let me turn it cold for you real quick. And this is, they hadn't gotten in yet. Bunch of squeals. And so I turned it all the way cold and they could kind of feel it. And it's like, no, I'm not getting in. Because they, you know, they could just feel like, right. like, no, there's no chance. And I said, anybody who gets all the way in, I will give candy to. And so they all, like all of them, <laughs> just like barrel in, plowed straight in, knowing that like, oh, it's cold. But they didn't realize like what the full like effect was going to be when it like, they when they take, got all the way in. They take the breath away. Yeah, every single one of them, one after the other. The Like they even saw like, oh. That's what happened to them, way. yeah. And it didn't deter them at all from also doing the, like just like plowing right in and going <gasps> and like immediately jumping out, right? Mm-hmm. And it was very funny. <laughs> I did give them all candy because they, you know, it's like they did it, but it was not not through any virtue, you know. It was just like ah, just for dad's amusement, right? <laughs> well, I kind of thought first of all, I didn't think that they would do it. Yeah. I didn't realize that they were just going to like plow in. Right. Yeah. But it was very funny. It was. <laughs> okay. So uh, the man gear today is not a specific man gear. I'm just yeah. curious on, because we're, we're talking about the workforce. We're talking about yeah. uh, virtues in the workforce, virtue in the business world. And so I'm curious on what the essential item that you have in your office. Now, pretend that you're back in your office because yeah. you've been working from well, home. I'm just going to give my answer, okay? Because... Uh, right now, one of the most essential things is the like '50s diner uh, kitchen playset. That's right there. I use yeah. it to put my feet up, and sometimes on a long conversation with clients, it's a you know like it's just good to get relaxed, where you can kind of like have like especially when I'm talking to Jim, you know, because right. yeah. So G- let's Jim, pretend Jim's you're a, not. He's a gabber, you know. <laughs> let's pretend you're not at your house and you're you're in your office man i haven't been there uh in like a, over like a year I, I was there for two days yeah but okay uh, but what was something ago. that was in your office that you like okay so like it was like something that was essential to you like something that you really wanted to make sure that you had in the office uh well i use my calculator a lot okay um i don't know if everybody's i mean a lot of jobs i think need a calculator you know mm-hmm. that's for me a good thing if i don't have a calculator there are going to be times where it's, things are difficult. Okay. Right? Um, that would be... So that's like that's something that, like, oh, I really need. Okay. Mine's mine's a, a, a good pen. Uh-huh. I want to have a good pen. Whenever I'm you know, sure. writing down notes, whenever I'm writing... If I'm writing down notes and I don't have a good pen, if I have just one of those, like, cheap pens that the you Pilot have, G2. Pilot G2s are good. Oh, I love I love the G2s. I but I've noticed that my even my note taking it, it like suffers when I don't have a good pen because I just don't like the way it feels. Like yeah. I don't like the way it looks, so I don't go back and and review it. So I want to make like so I always have a or I 
try to always have a really good pen mm-hmm. in my office. I don't always have a fountain pen because the fountain pen sometimes smears if you're not like if you don't use it a lot and, and aren't really good with it. Right. Yeah. And if you don't have good ink and if it doesn't have like if it's not a good one, if it's not a if it's not a decent one. Then like the tip dries out on you, and you gotta right. like wet it down to get the ink it's flowing just, again. It's not as and it's like yeah, there's all this upfront stuff. If I'm gonna be taking notes, I go with the the, the G2 because honestly, it writes better than a fountain pen anyway. I mean, it does uh, because a fountain pen, even the best one that I have, I'm not like I have really nice fountain pens. Mm-hmm. I think I have just kind of like mediocre fountain pens, which are good, mm-hmm. right? But the fountain pen it will, like on maybe an, a stroke, if I start writing quickly, it'll start to like thin out. But the G two man, just it's just it's just a nice pen. Mm-hmm. It is. It's what about worth it. what about things that are Catholic in your in your office? Because you do a really good job of like having uh, Catholic things in your office. Yeah. So like on my desk, I have a prayer to Saint Joseph. I've got uh, the Divine Mercy like little prayer cards on my desk and a crucifix and stuff. One thing that I've been wanting to do for a long time is when I when I do go back to the office is get have a a printing of um, I think it's Caravaggio uh, the calling of Matthew because mm-hmm. Matthew's sitting there counting money mm-hmm. you know um, and I'm in finance I'm a financial advisor you know so that would be it would be like a good picture to hang I have a picture right now in my office I don't even remember what it is I think it's like two ships like sailing through turbulent waters or something. It was like one of the, it was just there. It's like, you know, it came with the office, so to right. speak, you know? Right. Uh, so I think when I, when we go back, I'm going to get a a large printing of that Caravaggio. Caravaggio is my favorite. Is it Caravaggio or Car- uh, Caravaggio? You know, oh, yeah. tomato, tomato. tomato sure. I'm American, so, <laughs> so here's how I pronounce it's whatever, it. sure. you know? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's what I want to do. If I That's ever cool. go back, if I go back, you know, I love is working. There, is there, I love working. Is there from a chance home. you may not? Yeah, really? Yeah, there's a. Uh, I mean, I foresee myself going into the office, you know, a couple times a week. Okay, as necessary. Because mm-hmm. you do, can't. Are you? A, are you? A, do you listen to music in the background no. at work? Oh, because you listen to you listen to uh, news. You have I, news yeah, I keep the, the I keep the uh, business channel on, but you know what? I was actually just talking about uh, listening to music. Um, oh, a couple years ago, I had this idea like I'm going to have a composer of the week, mm-hmm. and I'm going to like listen to nothing but that composer, classical music. Like I want to get a feel for this guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I want to be able to What's like your style. Yeah, exactly. Like, and not everybody, but I'm talking like Beethoven. Bach, you know, like the big guys. Brahms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, not the Mozart. Ice cream. Not the ice cream. But the ice cream is good. That would be a composer of the week right there. <laughs> <laughs> really down with the cherry ganache today, <laughs> uh, which I just had at Brahms. <laughs> it's fantastic. But anyway, um, and that was good because like when I listen to Irish drinking music, you know, I'm sitting there singing all the songs, right? And it's not conducive to being very productive. Uh, but the shocker, right? Yeah, but the classical music didn't distract me in that same way. But I still found myself like a little bit distracted. Mm-hmm. However, I have found when I listen to chant Gregorian chant, it does not distract me at all. In fact, I find myself more focused. There's something about playing chant in the background that 
and I encourage people to try this. Uh, I, like whenever I play chant, all of a sudden I just get, I, it just makes me more focused on what I'm doing. Really? It's very weird. It's almost like they meant to do it that way. I don't know. It's, there's just something about it that is like orienting. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. But you wouldn't think that like, oh, a chant is great. You know, like it's not like. If you listen to other mass hymns, that that would have the same effect. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. There's just something about, even if it, I don't even if it's just like the, the intervals that they use, the the musical intervals that they use in the chant, and the cadence to construct the melodies. You think the cadence. And the, yeah, I mean like probably the cadence. There's something about it that just like does something to your brain. I mm-hmm. don't know. It's yeah. very cool. So. I guess we can jump into the topic. I don't know how, how much time we got left before they hit the break, but uh, we're getting pretty close. Let, let, let's let's talk about it because we're gonna we're gonna talk about the workforce, but we're gonna talk about it. We've talked about uh, the cardinal virtues in many episodes, especially prudence. What was the uh, prudence goes potty? Is that the one? Is that what we did? Yeah, Jim. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Classic potty training book. Yeah. <laughs> I have it. I have it at home. Uh, if you yes, so we're gonna we're gonna pull from uh, we're gonna focus on the workforce in, uh, from the lens of prudence mm-hmm. and the sub virtues some sub virtues of prudence. We've we've been talking about peepster quite a bit throughout these episodes and pull four cardinal virtues. Pull a lot from that, and then obviously Aquinas and the uh, secunde secunda secunda secunde. Why is it? I it's don't not secunda secunda. I just thought it was both. Maybe. I don't know. Twice. The second part of the I'm not, part. I'm not done with my Latin class. Yeah, our yeah. Latin class is still going. We're still in it. Yes. So, but we're going to focus. So, prudence is, just as a refresher, prudence is the, you know, first cardinal virtue uh, out of the four, prudence, justice, fortitude, temperance. Uh, it's the chariot driver. It's the chariot driver. Yes. It's, it is the virtue that teaches us uh, the knowledge of reality, which is something that I think that... That is what we need in, the, in our culture right now. Like, right. we're just so disconnected from reality. Yeah. So from prudence, we gain the ability to discern what is good in every circumstance and be able to choose the right actions. Uh, Aquinas, he quotes Aristotle, and the best definition I think that's out there is, you know, prudence is the right reason applied to action. Yeah. The right reason applied to action. So uh, in this, you know, as we've talked about before, there's there's virtues and then there's sub-virtues that build up the virtue, mm-hmm. right? And so the the two that, that we're going to talk about is uh, is uh, foresight and shrewdness. Have, I don't think we've talked about shrewdness like before. Like Dwight shrewdness? Yes, exactly like Dwight sh- shrewdness. Right. Uh, but I don't think we've talked about shrewdness before. I don't know. I don't think so. Um, but so just to, we'll highlight these and then we'll, we'll touch on the other side of the break. But so foresight is a sub-virtue of prudence. It's the ability to see the future and direct, uh, see into the future and direct act, actions towards an end. Uh, and foresight allows us to rightly order present actions to a good end, knowing that we can never fully predict the future, but you set yourself up basically for the uh, to do well. And then we'll talk about shrewdness on the other side of the break. And then talk about the different ways of when we're looking for a job and then maybe when you're uh, leaving a job and the right ways to do that. So Very good. We'll be back.
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. This segment of the Catholic Man Show is brought to you by Select International Tours. They continue to support us. Hoping that you support them, go to selectinternationaltours.com slash Show. They also are on our show notes every week. You can click that button and they will help you get a pilgrimage that you may want. They've been doing it for over, like over 30 years, so they're one of the best. Totally. They, uh, Father Leo Pedalinghug does a lot of their tours. It's great. Selectinternationaltours.com. Uh, okay, so uh, right before the break, we were talking about prudence. We are talking about foresight. If prudence is uh, uh, the right reason applied to action, you uh, and foresight is being able to kind of help predict what the future holds so that way you can apply the right actions to a good? Well, foresight is not predicting what the future holds, uh, but is, uh, like, because you could use good foresight and still not have predicted what the future held, right? You know, like, if there is a large chance that something will happen, mm-hmm. and a very, 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 very tiny chance that something else will happen... Mm-hmm. It is good foresight in order to to plan on the the thing that the, there's a large chance for. Even if the tiny chance thing is what ends up happening, mm-hmm. it was still good foresight to have planned for the other, right? Right. Be- because you're I mean, using your reason right and you know to uh, up, you know, you know what I'm saying, like right. yeah. And that's what uh, right before the break I say, you know, we can never fully predict the future, but it's right b- being able to see what are the possible outcomes weighing in yeah behaving in ways that are reasonable right uh but the other other one we were talking we're going to talk about is shrewdness which i think is a one we have not talked about before but it's a sub virtue of prudence it means to be and this is something i think you actually are really good at oh i think this is a virtue that you excel at okay uh it means it, it uh it's able to form both a correct and a quick opinion uh, this is done by developing the mental insight to read between the lines and finding the middle term in the demonstration. Uh, it also, the one who ha- who is shrewd is agile and quick-witted, and able to put the pieces together from both memory and from learning. Hmm. Okay. So I think that shrewdness plays a, a a really big part, especially like in interviews, right? Because you have to be able to read people, you have to be able to know uh, what's you know, what's going to happen, what the question is going to be, even kind of, you have to have the foresight to kind of know what the question is going to be, but you also have to be quick on your feet uh, and be able to give appropriate answers that you've, you know, kind of mentally already thought about. Um, right. So that way you can, and, and recall from memory. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, because some people would say, I'm just not quick-witted. That's just not who I am. Mm-hmm. How, so like, how am, I, how am I supposed to develop this, you know, this virtue? Well, having prepared considered, you know, like being well-versed in the subject, you know, when you're being, when you're interviewing, it's kind of tough because a lot of the times the interviewers are trying to ask you these gotcha questions, right? You know, the kind of things that are, it's difficult to prepare for, Mm -hmm. you know, um, even though I think I, I, honestly, I haven't interviewed in a long, 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 long time. That's true. Um, so I'm not at all an expert, but it seems like there's like a kind of a genre of these questions that are kind of unexpected. Right. And with a little bit of research on the internet. Right. Well, you can it's like learn one them. of the questions is like, you know, a lot of times people ask is like, tell us a little bit about yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't actually care about like where you're born, you know, 
like your life story, what they want to know is if I give you kind of an open-ended question, what's the concise answer that you're going to give uh, that's going to tell the most about you without taking up too much time? Uh-huh. You know, uh, it's the elevator pitch kind of thing of, right. of who you are. Right. Um, I mean, th- that's interviewing. It. Most of the interviews, actually, don't care what you say, but like, how do you say it? Right. You know, well, and so you come off as normal. You know, a lot of times whenever you're, when you're go, when you're doing interviews, you're obviously nervous. Uh, a lot lot is riding on the interview, right? Especially if you're going to, you know, if you really really want the job, if you're looking forward to the job, if you mm-hmm. need the job. Uh, so, but I think that it's important to remember that you can only con- like remember that uh, the only things you can control are the important things, mm-hmm. right? So make sure that you go in prepared. Make sure that you're well dressed. Totally. I think that that's obviously an easy e- easy one, but like it needs to be said. I've, I have had to interview people uh, not too well. I've interviewed people in my last job. Uh, and I was shocked at what people came in to their interview was. You know, mm-hmm. this is the virtue of decorum. It's like, you know, dress appropriately for the state that, in which you, right. you're in. And so I'm just shocked at some of the, some of the things that people wear. But another I thing. I mean, like, what job is it not appropriate to wear a suit to, to the interview? Like, if you're applying for a job. Like, I, I used to wear a suit when I would go to apply to be a, a waiter. I did, too. I would put on a suit and tie. Yes. To go apply to be a waiter. Right. You know, and, like, I was never going to wear a suit on the job, right? hmm But, like, wear a suit. And I know, like, these days, maybe that's not, you know, because some office culture, you know, like, all of a sudden, like, the last 10 years, Formal- like office culture has become like this thing like oh we've got a real laid-back office culture here you know like right it's cool if you know it's like everybody's trying to be like the cool mom you know what i mean or cool like dad. or the cool dad uh but like oh i'm 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 not like other parents i'm a cool i'm a cool mom or i'm right. a cool you know like we can break the rules you right. know and it's like that's what they're trying to be and personally i think it's dumb like yeah. i don't know I've never worked in one of those environments either, so yeah. I'm not a fair fair judge. I think that one of the things that you need to make sure to do also is, uh, okay, so remember, the only things that you can control are the things that you can control. So uh, make sure that you, as a Catholic man, we're going to be praying ahead of time, obviously, before you go into the job. That's something you can control. That falls into the can, can control, can control. So column. pray for your future future boss or potential future boss pray for your current boss your current co-workers uh so that way you know and also ask your guardian angel for help for help before you go into the interview sure uh, i've heard also that you can ask your guardian angel to uh ask their, their guardian, guardian angel. angel right i have uh, i have done this and su- it like i don't know why I'm, i was gonna say surprisingly but i it was kind of surprising to me i guess that that is very effective you know what else it's effective hmm like, there are times where my nine-month-old is, like, fussy, and there's nothing you can do. I'm not kidding. There have been moments where i like, oh, yeah, I'm going to ask my guardian angel to talk to his guardian angel. To, to comfort like, her. To comfort, comfort him. him. Yes. Like, to, because I know that his guardian angel can talk to him in a way that I cannot. And it's incredibly effective. Like, nice. you get immediate, not- immediate results. Kind of remember that. Kind of thing. And it's like, Wow. I wonder why I don't do that all the time. I think we, I think we all struggle to invoke our guardian angels as much as what we should. I know. Um, but another thing you need to remember is that 
the interview happens the moment you step on the premise. Sure. The, it's not a matter of going into the interview, but it's how you carry yourself into the building. It's how you uh, make sure you're polite to the front desk, you know, to make sure to be uh, smiling, to be excited, not to be, you know, head down, make eye contact, These those kind of things. The moment you set yourself in the, their premise, uh, premises, premises, uh, is is when the is when everybody's taking a look at how you're whole, you're, you're conducting yourself. And don't be on your phone, right? Yeah. Like when you're in the waiting room, just wait. Leave mm-hmm. your phone in your pocket. Just sit there and wait. Yep. Another thing that I, I I really like to do is figure out a way that's going to separate like that's separating yourself from all the other candidates. Like think about think of one thing that you can do that you don't think other candidates are going to do. Whether that be you know so if you're applying for a s- specific position, uh, maybe there's another position, maybe there's a, a similar position in a different town, a different c- city. Call those people. Ask them what what what's really working for that position, what's not working for that position, how they could help. Uh, you know, what would be something that would be beneficial to that position if they could ha- if they could have it, and take notes. And then that way you can present that to the interviewer and say like, listen, uh, I know that I'm I'm applying for like this financial uh, advisor position. I called some other financial advisors, and here's what they said really worked. Here's what they said that did not work. Uh, so whether or not you're going to be hiring me, I want to give you guys. Uh, the the most information possible to discern the right candidate for this position. Sure, uh, that's just kind of one example, but I think you have to figure you got to be creative enough to where you when you present whatever it is that you're going to you know whatever the creative piece is that they realize he has thought ahead of time and he you know he's done his research. He's been proactive. Right? He's been proactive. Uh, he clearly wants this job. He's not just coming in trying to wing it. He's he's done his due diligence and and. Uh, done his research on the employer, on, on us, and on the position, and he he wants to succeed. He wants us to succeed. Right. And a lot of times, that's really what I I, I think that the employer wants to see is that you've bought in. You know, everybody you, they want you to buy into whatever they're doing because yeah. it's not about necessarily the the money. It's not necessarily. I mean, obviously, we work so that we can we can provide, but. It's not necessarily about how many vacation days, what the salary is, but it's is the employer employee buying in to the idea of what this company is doing, yeah. and they want to see that. And I think like employers, they want to know that you're going to be dependable, right? I mean, like they don't, they don't like. I think that they'd rather hire someone that they can count on than hire someone who's like the most brilliant mind or like you know got these, you know, is just insanely good at whatever like they'd rather have someone i think that they know is going to be at work on time is going to like you know work actually you know like try to do the job and Mm -hmm. yeah and then i would say at the very end is is make sure that you you follow up with thank you notes uh thank thank the interviewer uh and thank them for their time thank them for the opportunity uh, send them an email that day, and then I I would go as far as is to write a handwritten thank you note uh, and send it. Now the handwritten thank you note is going to take a little bit to get to them, so it's important to start out with an email because you can immediately send that to them, and then follow up with a handwritten note that they'll receive a couple of days later. Yeah. But um, so when we get back, we're going to talk about ways to make sure uh, to exit gracefully from the current position that you're in. You good with that? I'm good with that. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. Got Juan Posada on the buttons. Does Juan think he can just like not wear shoes around where he goes? Like apparently, couldn't even have shoes on over there. Forget shoes. Don't have time. Going out shoeless. Yeah. Uh, okay, this segment of the Catholic Man Show brought to you by your future job and heaven, both, yeah, both, both, both. Your future job and heaven. Boom. It's a we doubled it up I like on it. the uh, the sponsorships this this episode. I forgot I forgot to tell you. I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. How much is heaven paying us? It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's a weird currency though. Re- weird currency. The retirement I, plan is is yeah. is gold. It's a currency I'm not familiar with. I'm gonna have to check the exchange rate. Yeah. Okay, so we we were we were kind of talking about you know the virtues needed uh, throughout the interview process. Yeah. Now let's say you get the job and. You now have to put in your two weeks for your current job that you have, if you if you do have one. Right. And I just want to like, okay. So as Catholic men, it is important that we live our Catholic faith in the public square, and that uh, we don't let the norms or the atmosphere dictate to us what our values and uh, behavior is going to be. Correct. And so, like a lot of times, at least for me, it has been very easy to be like, you know what? Uh, I'm just leaving these guys like. You know, the, these guys have not been good to me. They have they've taken advantage of me. They have, uh, which you might feel if you're looking if you like if you're applying for other jobs, you might feel that way. And it very well could be true. Sure. However, even if they have taken advantage of you, mm-hmm. it is a it is good practice to keep your values uh, unwavered from that, and to to make sure to do Un- the right thing right. unaffected. Uh, to make sure to do the right thing, even though uh, they may you you may be feel, you may felt slighted or whatever that that case may be. Right. And so uh, doesn't mean that you have to be it, like nice to everybody and no, and but, act like bad stuff didn't happen, right? You know, but it's, like, a, that's it's a not, it's a great opportunity to witness. It's a great opportunity because if you feel like that you've been wronged in your job, odds are your coworkers have also seen that. Uh, and if you you go through and said, even though I have been wronged. I'm still going to do the the appropriate protocol for leaving a job, and I'm going to do it right, and I'm going to do, do it thoroughly. That shows that you have you know certain values that they can't they can't uh, mess with those values, right. regardless of what they do to you. I mean, uh, and in just life, people are going to treat you bad sometimes. Right. You cannot control how other people treat you. Mm-hmm. All you can do is control how you treat other people, and like if in a work relationship, you have an obligation to your boss. Your boss has an obligation to you. Just because your boss may not, uh, you know, like be fulfilling his obligation to you, does not give you the permission to cease to fulfill your obligation to your employer, right? So, right. And part of, you know, even the virtue of piety is to be praying for your boss, uh, you know, those people that are of authority over you. Legitimate authority, right. So, uh, one of the one of the really good things that I, I read online, I think I actually read this at, on the Art of Manliness a blog, who's. Brett McKay is really good. I, I like a lot of his yeah. stuff. Uh, but one of the things he said was to have a good, like go in and tell your boss uh, and have a good transition plan already in place. You know, so that way there's a lot of times when, first of all, you should tell your boss first before anybody else. Is right. Even if you think that you have friends that you, you can uh, keep hush, it, uh, coworkers can 
you know, the water cooler conversations, things like that. You just don't want your boss to find out from somebody else besides you. Right. So the first thing is to make sure that you tell your boss first. But to have a transition plan in place for him or her uh, in order to uh, ease... A lot of times it's going to be surprising. You know, a lot of times it's going to be they didn't see it coming. And so there's going to be a lot of work that's going to be now put onto your boss and your coworkers. And so if you can go into it uh, with a transition plan in place mm-hmm. or at least a proposal in place, uh, that's very, I, I think it's, it's very respectable. What do you, I mean, what are your thoughts? Do you, do you oh, agree? yeah. No, I mean, you should absolutely do that. You should be prepared to, for the situation. Right. I mean, especially since you know. So you can prepare, you know, because you're the only one who knows. One thing, though, that I want to, like, just mention, I'm not sure if this is common or not, but, um, you know, in throughout this whole process, everything needs to be done with integrity um, and, and with good ethics. So, for instance, applying for another job just so that you can tell your boss, hey, I got this other job, in hopes that they'll give you a raise is very unethical. Mm-hmm. Right, because this other job, this other position, if they offer it to you, well, they're they're expecting you. It's unethical to apply for a position that you have no intention of actually, of actually taking, taking and fulfilling. Right, so that's just like the whole process needs to be done on the up and up. And you know, there's sure other people. There's a lot of other people who oh well, everybody else fudges their resume. Mm-hmm. Everybody else does these other things, right? That doesn't mean that you get to do it. Right. Okay. And part of part of the Christian life I have learned is intentionally choosing things that are less successful sometimes. Mm-hmm. I know I'm choosing the less successful option, but I'm choosing it I'm choosing it because it's the right thing to choose. You know, uh Christianity does not seek to maximize profits or maximize efficiency um it strives for uh doing our best you know like putting in our best effort and our and trying to do the best we can but that doesn't mean at all costs you know so um i just think in this whole process there's a lot of corners that can be cut and a lot of yes uh shortcuts that are enticing mm-hmm. um and th- those are temptations 99% of the time that just need to be firmly rejected Right off the bat, right, and that's kind of like what I when I started out with like you can't let the norms dictate yeah, to you yeah, what yeah. your values are. Right, exactly. Uh, even though everybody else is doing it, doesn't mean that you get to do it as uh-huh. well. And part of I mean, be, be, in the Christian life, is you are setting yourself apart. Mm-hmm. You you know you're carrying a cross. Uh, right. You know you're doing things that a lot of other people aren't doing. Right, especially in stuff like this, the Lord will guide you. You know, I mean, this is just one of those. These are you know uh, job transitions, very stressful times. Yes. And, you know, that's where you just have to be reminded and remind yourself again and again and again that the Lord is taking care of you. He does care for you, you know, as the Jesus uses the analogy of, like, look at the birds right. and the flowers in the field. How much more does the Lord love you? How much more will he care for you? And he does. Every single day, mm-hmm. he cares for you. And, like, sometimes it seems like things are rough and that are uncertain. And they might be uncertain to you, but they're not to him. That's a good point. You know, and so, like, these are just moments that take faith sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're moments where you have to, the moments you need to rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. Yeah. That and that kind of brings up what I was also going to ask or say is uh, be prepared for a counter offer. Sure. Uh, you need to you need to kind of like know where your boundaries are, right, or what your plan is. Because if you go in and say like, listen, uh, uh, I'm putting in my two weeks, and they say we want to keep you, we're going to offer you twenty percent more in salary for you to stay. Uh, you need to be prepared to it to, to have that as an option and what what you're going to do. Yeah, uh, and that's something that I think you need. And to- be fair and open and honest. Uh, mm-hmm. Like if they make you a counter offer, if you'd kind of like to stay where you are, you know, like. And they make you a counter offer, like tell them like, hey, look, this is really. If, I mean, if you're interested in keeping me, as you say you are, this is this is where I'm at. Don't, you know, like see how you know what you can squeeze out of them. Right. Uh, I mean, obviously, you you should. You have a, a duty to your family to try to uh, provide for them the best way you can, right? So you know, you should get what you what you're worth mm-hmm. as an employee. Mm-hmm. Don't don't leave anything on the table. That's what. I want. But don't be an extortionist because sometimes people you know. I'm a key employee here. Mm-hmm. They are going to just be crushed when I leave. You know what I mean? I could, I could yeah. really take advantage of my situation. Yeah, sure. of my position. Yeah, and I mean another thing you need to take in, uh, into consideration is that you may be walked out right then and there. When you give your two weeks, there's right. a chance they'll say, we appreciate your, your time and your service to the company, uh, and you may be escorted out right then and there, so you need to be yeah. prepared for that as well. Yeah, but typically, you know that that's going to happen before beforehand. Sometimes. Sometimes you have an inflated view of like what your position is, and you think that they're going to like beg you to come back, or that they're, you know, they're going to give a counteroffer, and well, then all of a sudden, reality sets certain in, and job they positions escort, are, escort you out. Certain job positions are that way. Mine is that way. Like, if I was moving to a different firm, mm-hmm. uh, in fact, my dad and I did move to a different firm in 2013. There's no two weeks notice. It's a when you tell when you tell your your manager you're moving to a different firm, you're not allowed in the building anymore, right? Because they know you're trying to take all your all the clients with you, you know. Right. And so it's like a competition. Immediately, mm-hmm. you're you are immediately competition, right? You're no so, yeah. but you I know that you know like you know oh this is the kind of job I have. There's no two weeks Involved. in this gig, sure. right? Uh, another thing I think you need Which, to honestly, I think I like, <laughs> like <laughs> the two uh, week notice is like oh these last two weeks like yeah. grueling. Uh, another thing I think you need to uh, remember to do is thank your your coworkers, thank your boss, and thank your coworkers. Thank you, for, thank them for the opportunity, thank them for the time. Even if you don't feel like that they deserve a thank you, still do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, especially with your coworkers, because odds are they're the ones that are going to be picking up the slack from uh, y- you leaving, at least for a, a little bit of time. Right. Uh, and how you uh, treat them will leave a lasting impression. The world is very small, and and as I've come to notice, like, know a lot of people, like, a lot of different sectors of, of the business world, in, in, uh, like, overlap. Right. And so... And things rotate over time. Like, right. You, you don't want to burn bridges. You think, oh, I'm not working with this guy anymore. And then 10 years from now, all, all of a sudden, sudden... Yeah. There you are. So if you're listening to the radio, check us out on thecatholicmanshow.com. We're going to continue this conversation just for a few more minutes. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus. 
Okay, so one of the last... Most embarrassing office story of your life. Go. Most embarrassing office story? Yes. Um, well, I can't tell that. Uh, <laughs> it would not be appropriate. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I also don't know. I, I think... I mean, there's been times where I've, I feel like that I have bombed a presentation. There are times where I felt like... You know, because when you prepare for a presentation and you're, you're giving it... Uh, and you have slides or whatever whatever you have to have to show diagrams or whatever, you know, graphs, whatever, and you're giving a presentation and you've kind of built in this, this is the part where they laugh. Right. Please, please laugh. Please laugh. Please laugh. Except it was please clap. Please clap, yeah. Uh, and they don't, and you realize... Good old jab. Yeah. <laughs> and you realize, uh, this isn't going as well as what I thought. Please. And all you want to do at that point, once you realize that, all you want to do is Can be I done. Can I leave? You guys aren't enjoying this. I'm not enjoying this. Can I be done? Um, I mean, I, I have a lot more of the, the excruciating uh, phone calls that I got to make yeah. in my job. Sure. It's the, I know that w- this phone call is going to cost you, you know, $250,000 every day because we don't have the parts to get to you. And every day that you don't have these parts, you're losing $250,000 each day. And you told me to make sure this doesn't happen, and it's out of my control. I can't, I can't get these parts to you. Right. I'm not the one making them. Right. I'm not the one delivering them. I'm not the one shipping them. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to get them to you as quickly as possible. I know that. I mean, those phone calls are the worst because yeah. you know all you're trying to do at that point is uh, damage control. You're the whipping boy. You're you have your hat in your hand, and you can just say like, "This is just where it is." Totally. And I, I mean. Uh, the job that I have, that's what I have to do all the time. And so, yeah, when it happens, when it happens, I mean, all the time. Yeah. Uh, And you got, you're shipping stuff out of China. And so, and so that happens all the time. China is the worst. Are they not the worst? I'm not, I'm not saying that. Um, you can say it. So the last thing, the Chinese government has no power over us yet. I mean, as (laughs) individuals. Hmm. So the last thing that I, I do want to make sure that I Yet. bring up is that rem- like job transitions, uh, job interviews are highly s- stressful times. A lot of times they are these uh, gray, you know, gather. You know, I have more gray hairs because of these times. Sure, uh, and they're extremely stressful, and they're taxing on you. Like sleep deprived. Uh, I- I'm nervous. I haven't been eating very well, or whatever it is that that's causing you uh, stress. But remember uh, that how you are how you are stressing out affects your wife, totally. um, and that it's easy to be short with them or to say like you just don't understand the stress that I'm under right now. And perhaps they don't. Maybe they just like because they haven't been in that situation before. Well, or I mean, I'm sure um, they don't. Uh, or you know whatever the, it, maybe they don't, but there's a lot of times that your wife, uh, you know, says like things that you don't understand either, and you have to uh, provide empathy for. Right. Uh, and so I just we need to be re- reminded, I think, and I'm saying this probably for for my own sake, is that when stressful times happen, that it, it, you're not the only one affected. It's also your wife, your children, your close friends. Uh, I mean, I know that there have been times where I've been stressed. Uh, it's just been a stressful time in my life. And I know that I've been short with you and I've been short with Juan. You know, there have been times where it's like, 
I shouldn't have said that to you. Like, not that I, uh, I don't think that I was completely out of line, but I mean, it's just like, that was just like, I mean, you deserved it a little bit. You deserved it a little bit, but it's not like I like cussed at you or anything Jim like that. Jim thought that was so funny. Look at Jim. Yeah. But it's not like I like cussed at you or anything like that, but it was just like, maybe I was just a little short or like just didn't give you the benefit of the doubt or whatever it is. It's less tolerant. Lo- yeah. Less tolerant. Uh, and so I just, I think that it's important. You need to be tolerant, Adam. Yeah. You are so intolerant. You know what? Of, thing, of certain things, you're right. Why don't you just woke up a yeah. little bit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think that you, I know that some of the best moments of, of being a husband uh, have been when I know that I'm extremely stressed and my wife knows this as well, and I still put her first. I still make the extra effort to bring home flowers. It's hard to do. I but still make the extra It always pays effort. off. It always pays off. Uh, and it's what we're called to as men. We're called to, to continue, uh, you know, denying ourselves. Uh, and so, as you know, mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure that to say that just for probably my own sake. But yeah. Um, so I do have an office story. It's not a story about myself. It's about my dad. Okay. Uh, I was not here for this, but I've heard the story many, many times, and it it is a good one. So uh, he and I work together. He's also a financial advisor. Um, this is 2008, okay? If you recall what was happening in 2008, everyone was freaking out. Like, everything was going down. Nothing. There was literally nothing that made money that year. Everything yeah. went down. Financial crisis, two thousand eight. I'm, I don't know if like treasury bonds went up that year. I don't. Whatever. Like, who right. cares? Um, so the market peaked in October of two thousand and seven. We talk about the 08 crisis, but it actually peaked in 07 and it didn't bottom until March of 09. Okay, so you've got 15, 16 months of just the market selling off, selling like it just kept going and it like. Kept going down. And there was just the whole time, where's the bottom? Like, this is just, it's terrible. And there's this financial crisis that's just cascading effects through one, like, sector of the economy to the next, to the next. And it's like just this slow avalanche that you could see coming and just couldn't avoid. So in the, you know, like for all these financial companies who get paid based on how much money they have under management... They were all like, like really seriously, like, Nervous. are we going to go out of business or right. like what's going to happen? And so uh, my dad's company, you know, like the manager called everybody together kind of like towards the end of 08 for like a reality check, you know, mm-hmm. like guys, things are not good. This, I mean, it wasn't blaming anybody, right? but it was just like, I just want you guys to know where like here's the reality here's some of the realities of like budget cuts and all these sorts of things and so at the end the the manager said does anybody have any good news and my dad like looks around and he raises his (laughs) hand and he says and he goes i just saved a bunch of money on my car insurance by switching to geico And he said, everybody just lost it. Like, they just erupted and laughed. You know, it's like, like exactly like the car, like those commercials at the time, especially like, right. Like, just like something terrible. And like, well, I just saved a bunch of money on my car insurance by switching. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, brought to you by Geico Car Insurance. <laughs> oh man, it's just a good story. That is a good story. Like that t- is a good like story. a ray of sunshine you know in a like just a like a world of darkness. Some of my favorite stories of all time have come from your dad. He has good stories. I mean, I'm talking probably the bird. Obviously, the bird. Obviously, the bird. Uh, I'm talking like probably three out of my top five favorite stories I've ever he just heard. Has good stories. Also, he's, from your dad. he's a good storyteller, right? You know what I mean, so it's like yeah. it's one thing to like have funny stuff happen to you, and then it's another way to be able to like tell that story. Do you think well. we could get him on the show to talk about some of his funny stories? I don't know. Maybe, maybe for the patrons, dude. I would love that. He, he, I don't think he would like it. No, I think he would hate it, especially uh, if we built it up. Not because now exactly, it's like because he he thrives he, on like he's sort the, of like me the, that like no 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 I want to just be spontaneous right with it right yeah, like I just switched a bunch of uh, I've saved a bunch of money by switching to Geico right like if you would have said hey say something funny and then he says that it's like dude it was, yeah that wouldn't be funny right yeah so I don't think he would do it I don't think so either. But right. he comes to the camp out. Yes, he so comes to the camp. So if you, you know, if you want to get to hang out with, and talk to him, just who, he, which you know, let's be honest, both of our dads are way cooler than us, anyway. Yeah, that's true. So, 